name of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Ha, ah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. He's he's hovering right now. Mm. He's hovering right now. He's just doing this. He's just... Oh, my, 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 Jesus. Oh, yes, you've been waiting all year to see if he was going to do something. <laughs> the year is not over yet. This is the season of joy. This is not a time for you to quit. Come on, it's not a time for you to give up. This is not a time to doubt his goodness. He's hovering, he's hovering. He's hovering right now. I'm, I'm just going to drop two things in your spirit. Then I'm going to read a couple of things to you. Announcement, then we're going to get into the word. But as I sat there, Holy Ghost is just putting everything together. The Holy Ghost can do that, you know. He can put things together. Amen. It doesn't matter how many pieces in a puzzle. Megan loves doing puzzles, and the more pieces that there are, the more she enjoys it. But only God can take the pieces, come on, of brokenness and the pieces of rejection and the pieces of, of, of abandonment. Only God can take those pieces and put them together. So the Holy Spirit is putting some things together in your life this morning. I'm, I'm here to tell you, so I sat there and I told you, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you to make a declaration. And I didn't even realize in my notes that the Holy Spirit is having me. We're going to be talking about the Declaration of Independence versus the Declaration of Dependence. That a nation was conceived because of a declaration. The nation that you're in right now existed because of a declaration. And that's what the Holy Spirit is reminding me. And he's like, make a declaration. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God, it's right here. And so we're going to declare that God is good. Yes, he is. He's so good. He's so good. That we will never be able to comprehend the depth of his goodness until we get to heaven. But he's saying, I want you to try. I don't want you to be discouraged because of my bigness. I want you to be encouraged because I'm that big. That you will never get to a place on this earth that you'll ever achieve the goodness that I have for you. But I want you to keep on trying. Because every time you make a declaration, I reveal myself. Another dimension of my glory is revealed. And that's what enemy doesn't want us to make declarations. Right? He wants us to make declaration of independence as opposed to declaration of dependence. And we're going to see how that will usher in a season of joy into your life uh, uh, this morning. This morning. So we want you to grow with us. Here's our announcement. I'm going to get into my word because today's message is prophetic. I'm going to preach today. The media team tells me I've got to stay in one place, you know, because the camera is trying to record. And I said, I'm trying, you know, but some people over here just want, just want God. And they pull me over here. And so I get out of focus, but never out of faith. So I got to get back into here so I can get on camera again. Amen. So whatever side has more faith. Amen. I'm only messing. That's the side I'm going to go on to. Over here has got more faith. Amen. So um, I want you to, to, uh, to grow with us. And last Sunday we gave you an opportunity for you to express your ministry gift. We had such an amazing Start Strong one-on-one class. Um, I was supposed to be teaching a class. I think I ended up preaching. 
Amen. But they were okay, and they were, it was a great class. So we do those monthly, or we like to schedule those um, classes monthly. And the Start Strong 101 is not necessarily for you to become members necessarily, but that's a course you have to go through to become a member. It's just to know our heart and for us to know your heart so we can work together and believe God. And so Megan and I and our leadership can know how to serve you better. Amen. We want to serve you. That's what we've been called to do is to serve the body of Christ. And it is such a joy to, to do that. And so we had you fill out uh, your name if you're interested. And so what the Lord put in my heart was to make a deck. It's just called Grow With Us. So we want you to come and grow with us with your gifts and your talents. Uh, so if you haven't signed up or you'd like to sign up, you didn't, weren't here last week, go ahead and do that. Megan and myself will be calling you and meeting with you and find out what exactly the Lord has put in your heart to do uh, for the kingdom of God. Also, when you came in, our cafe has been transformed, amen, into a, a winter season. Praise God. I said, I want a winter season, and they went ahead and did exactly what was there. So right in the middle, you, there's a, two uh, boards, and it says, Joy to the World. That's our uh, December 18th theme for our Christmas uh, uh, celebration. And then beside it says, Joy. We want you to do us a favor. We want you to go as a family or as an individual and take a selfie. Okay, it's your time. You can actually take a selfie. Go ahead and take a selfie. And um, we want you then to send that picture to us or put on Facebook under the Gathering Place Facebook because we want people to know that friends and family gather here. Amen. So if you don't mind being known that you're at the Gathering Place, you're not ashamed to say you're at the Gathering Place. You know, that Facebook, where were you today? Gathering Place. Uh, Go ahead and do that. There'll be some chairs there that you can go ahead and just take a picture. Um, I went and did it yesterday, so if you'd be so kind as to do that, uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Again, December 18th will be our joyous celebration. Um, We felt that with Christmas being on a Sunday this year, that we didn't want to, you know, try to do both a Christmas Eve and a Christmas service, because many of you have to go to different families, depending on which particular uh, day, and it so happens to fall on Sunday. But the Lord really impressed me that there are 52 Sundays in the calendar year that we get to gather and how appropriate would it be if we can gather on the day of Christmas? And so we're going to be, uh, we're going to be uh, open and available for the 25th. And it's just going to be a one-hour service. And what the Lord really put on my heart to do was to create, because that theme is called the joy of family. Come with your families. And if your children are in, bring your children pajamas, amen, because we wanted to think like as if they were opening their gifts on Christmas morning. And then we're going to have it set up here as a living room with the fireplace, and we're going to be reading the Christmas story, and I'll be just sharing a couple of comments, and then we're just going to release you to go enjoy the time with the family. So that's what we're doing for the 25th, and if you can't make it because you have to travel, you know, hit us on Facebook Live. It'll be there so that way you can participate and would really um, enjoy that. Next week is when we get installed officially as pastors here at the gathering place. Amen next week and so my mom is coming and my brother is coming and we got my spiritual sons and daughters are coming to celebrate with you they're so excited for you and they're praying for you and so they said we're not just going to congratulate you we want to physically be here as well and um, hopefully uh, Megan's sister who can sing like an angel we're hoping that we can say okay switch from vacation now and let's use your voice and sing and minister uh, to us but it's going to be a great time so I think we're going to have some Light refreshment after service. Hope I don't speak out of turn, but I think we're going to have something there for you to at least put in your stomach, um, you know, after the service on, on the 11th. So please come and, and be a part of that. Okay, so that's all my announcements. And now it's time to get into the word of the Lord this morning. Let me first find out how many of you are anticipating and you are longing and you have a deep desire to get a word from the Lord this morning. 
Amen. I got to know, know my audience. I got, I got to know who showed up this morning. Amen. Praise God. Oh, yes. Amen. So let's pray because it's a season of joy. God is so strategic that when we were setting up the stage, there was 11 windows that were there because for Danny to try to get in and out, it was a little bit of an inconvenience. And the Lord says, no, you've got to put another one on there. And I didn't realize when I did it, it was a completion of 12 apostolic. And God is saying, no, 11 is confusion. We don't want that. We want an apostolic move in this particular month. And each window represents a month that you've been looking through and looking outside. And God wants to know what have you been seeing. What have you been seeing? And what God wants you to know this morning, he wants you to see the nations. He wants you to look through the windows and see the nation. For only then can you truly declare joy to the world. Only then can you declare joy to the world, to your world and the world outside that God loves. See, a season of joy is not just because the calendar now has hit the month of December and Walmart and all the other stores decide to change the decoration. We live in a perpetual season of joy. And we just so happen that the world wants to recognize it come December. And so the Lord is really going to speak. And, and what I believe he wants us to do, given the climate of this nation and given the climate of the nations of the world, he truly wants us to understand that his desire is that heaven and the nations will sing in harmony. That's what he, he, he really, really wants. What he really, really wants us to, to, to do. Amen. And I forgot to do one thing real quick. Um, last week was Pastor Betty's birthday, and so happy birthday, Pastor Betty. And today is Mother Cook's birthday, so happy birthday to Mother Cook. Amen. Amen. Two women of God who knows how to hear from heaven and how to speak to nations. And that is our desire today. How many want to speak to nations today? How many believe that you got a word for the nations of the world today? I believe you do. I believe you do. And as Teresa was saying, you are here by God's design. God wants to know that you're here by design so you can make a declaration. That you have to declare to nations whose political system is blocking the word of God from moving in totality. It can't prevent it because the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevent the church from excelling and taking territory. But when we make a declaration over a nation, and I almost thought when I was leaving here last night to get you cards, and we may do this next week, and just give you a card of a different nation. According to United Nations members, I believe there's about 190 plus United Nations members. Now, there are more nations than that, but if United Nations doesn't recognize you, according to that governing body, you're not really considered a nation at all. But if you are a people who are designed by God, you are a nation. You are a nation. Even in the conception of uh, Rachel, um, I I believe when she had two kids in services, you have two nations inside of you. Nations. And so this month we also want to receive an offering for our missions to, to, because God is bigger than the gathering place. So next week we want to receive a, a mission offering because we want to touch the nations. As you look at the windows again, God is asking you, what are you seeing through those windows? What are you seeing through those windows? And what God wants you to see is that you're here by God's design, but you're here to make a declaration. You really are. Your life is a declaration of God's goodness. The things out of your mouth are a declaration of God's goodness. Your celebrating God is your declaration of God's goodness. And so today as we launch this month, let heaven 
and nations sing. Wow. Stretch your hand forth, please, as we pray and welcome the power of the Holy Spirit and his authority to bring this word. Kind and gracious God, we come before you today. For those who are here live, Father, we just pray that they will just get a glimpse of heaven so that the nations of this earth will sing. We pray for those who are watching on Facebook Live or will be watching this video, that you will speak to them and that they will know that they are here on planet earth by God's design to make a declaration. The Bible says the heavens declare your goodness. And Father, we thank you now that we will declare your goodness in the land of the living. We welcome your Holy Spirit to lead and guide this prophetic moment. Open up my understanding, Holy Spirit. Let me yield to what you are saying. And at the end, Lord, I pray that I would only speak, thus saith the Lord. And that your people who are here will leave this place challenged and transformed by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with your Bible, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter number 9. Isaiah chapter number 9. Isaiah is one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. I've shared with you before, this is just a little Bible study, that Isaiah can be considered the fifth gospel writer. He was writing in a time of where the nation of Israel needed prophetic words to God and to direct them because they had forgotten their design. And so destruction came upon their life. But thank God. Someone say thank God. Thank God. For a prophetic voice. And so when people are going astray. When people are confused. What God has chosen. Is to use you and I. To be a prophetic voice. And to declare his goodness to a people. And so Isaiah was that individual. And in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 3. Is where we will begin today in Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 3. It is in Isaiah chapter 9 where we read in verse 6, for unto us a child is born. But we have to back up first and see verse 3 so we can understand Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We will reach December 25th by God's grace. But we're on a journey to get there because the season of joy needs to be how you live beyond December 31st. It has to be a way you live beyond December 31st. The Lord really wants you to live a life of joy. He really does. He really does. And we're going to see it hopefully throughout this month um, as God reveals it to us. But in Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 9 verse 3, it says this. You have multiplied the nation. And did what? And increased its joy. Who did that? God. You multiply the nation and increase its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. We just finished that series, didn't we, on harvest, right? So here it is now that the Holy Spirit prophetically speaking that we came out of one series into another one. He's saying that now you're stepping into joy because God has prospered us. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, that speaks of victory. 
So we're saying here now, and Isaiah is prophesying and saying that you multiply the nation, that you're the one that increases joy. Why? Because it's a harvest time. It's harvest time, and they are now rejoicing. They are rejoicing because it is harvest time. It is harvest time. In Acts chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, Acts chapter uh, 14, verse 16 and 17, we read, and the Bible says, and this is real interesting, because in the New King James Version, we're going to see it says, Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways? He continues and says, Yet he did not leave himself without some witness. Mm. In that he did good. Gave us rain from where? From heaven. And fruitful seasons, plural. Oh my goodness. Covered every single month of the calendar year. As you look through the windows, you can see that God is saying every season, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be fruitful. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. Now, listen to the amplified version of the same text. It says, in generation past, he permitted all nations to go their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without some witness as evidence of himself. In that he kept constantly doing good things and showing you kindness and giving you rain from heaven and productive seasons. Filling your hearts with food. Look at that word now. He does use the word gladness like the New King James Version says. He used the word happiness. Mark that down. Mark that down, right? Now watch this now. The NIV puts it this way. So we looked at the New King James Version. It used the word gladness. We looked at the Amplified. It used the word happiness. Now in the NIV it says, In the past he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from where? Heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your where? Your hearts with joy. So in one verse, we see three different words. We see gladness. We see happiness. And we see joy. Remember that. Gladness, happiness, and joy. Okay. So watch this now. So what God is saying is this. Is that these words, happiness, joy, and gladness, mean the same thing. Somehow, we allowed uh, uh, society to separate joy and happiness. And I'm one that was guilty of that because I said, well, no, happiness is based on things that are happening to you. And so because of my faith in Jesus, I don't move by what, I, what happens on the outside. So I said, well, no, we use the word joy. It's not really the word happy because not everything is happy. And as I did my study, God is saying, I don't know where you got that from. That's not biblical. What happened was the world, because of people's experience, didn't want to think that God wasn't good, so they're trying to defend God. So they added something 
to justify our emotions and feelings so we can defend God. And we see this throughout society now in a politically correct culture. That we add stuff to the word of God or we take things out trying to either prop God up like he needs our help or try to remove God from something. And God is saying, stop it. I am God and what I declare, I declare. And so we're looking at it now and we see here because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to get to this. God says, I don't want you just to have joy and not be happy. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to say you have joy, but you're not happy. It doesn't make any sense to be happy and not have joy. So God is saying here that in this particular text, and he's writing to this text, and what he's revealing here is this. He's saying here, this is what God has called in common grace. That because God is good to the nations, he pours out rain to the nations. Whether they're serving God or not, because of his goodness, not because of theirs, because of his goodness, he pours out rain. It's common grace. He wants the people of the world to be happy. When God in his mind said, let's create man in my likeness and in my image, he was saying, I want them to be happy. I want them to be glad. I want them to have joy because they were designed by me. And it reflects my characteristics of what's happening and what's going on. So God wants you to be happy. I don't know about the song, don't worry, be happy. All I'm telling you is that the word is saying, don't worry, be happy. And we're going to see it because I'm not minimizing the suffering. I'm not telling you that you won't grieve the loss. That would be foolish. That wouldn't be biblical. So I'm not just talking about the suffering. The suffering is real. The suffering is painful. The suffering has wounded us. And as Teresa has said, it has taken the very breath out of us. The suffering and the loss is real. But at the same time as well, I understand the struggle. I understand the struggle. That Romans talks about the things that I want to do, I for some reason can't do it. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing it. There's a struggle inside of me. I'm not sinning, I'm struggling. And some people who are religious will cause the struggle to say it's a sin. When it's a struggle, because he's telling me the word of God is, I'm able to live the word of God, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling with doubt. I'm I'm struggling with fear. I don't understand everything. And I have to trust God in the midst of my struggle. But then there's the other side as well, is where it's sin. It is sin. Stop it. There are certain things God is saying, it's sin. It violates my word. You hold back my goodness when you sin. You miss the mark of my design. And so he's saying here now that, that, that the joy and the happiness and the gladness that God wants you to experience is to be able to be with you in all three of those situations. That it says godly sorrow leads to repentance. That feeling sorrowful and having this conviction and, and, and seeing that, that God is good and that the life you're living doesn't reflect that cause you now to say, God, you're good and I need to depend on you. And so I renounce the sin, I renounce the wickedness, and I now step into a relationship with you. Does it make sense? So there's a thing called repentance that we must understand. Why? Because we want the heaven and the nations to sing. 
And the only way that that's going to happen is when a nation now turns to God and says, I see the heavens, they're open. Now shower down the blessing upon my life. If we want our economy as Americans, if we want the economy of the nations to prosper, he gives it right there. God has said, I've been giving you common grace. I've been giving you the witness of the rain from heaven. So if rain, natural things can come from heaven and water the earth and go back again and produce something, how much more would God's word be able to leave from heaven, come on, and come into the earth and be able to go back up again, back to God? He says, and I declare to you, my word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the things that I have purposed for it to do. The word of God will work. It will work. If we can see it through common grace, then we can understand that it definitely will work. It will work. So let us journey. And I quote from, from, from this individual who was talking, Randy Alcorn was talking about this whole concept of happiness. And he says from this particular verse, he says, that they could say joy, which the NIV wrote and says, it is joy. That's the word. And he says, but, but what we're seeing is common grace because God provides food and even happiness to unbelievers. Now watch this now. So an unbeliever being made in God's image, even under the fall and under the curse, can have a certain taste of happiness. They can. Because of God's goodness. Because of God's goodness. And what's interesting here is this. What's very interesting is that he lists a couple of the different, uh, what we call happiness out there. There's about six of them. And so David Murray in his book, he writes and says there are six different kinds of happiness that the world can experience. Right? But the seventh, they cannot. The seventh type of happiness or joy, they can't experience. Let me read to you first the six different types of happiness. There is nature happiness. So walking out and an atheist can see the beauty of outside and can watch a deer. For those who are hunting, will take it out. You know what I mean? But, but he can watch as the deer goes by and can look and can see the beauty of God. And God says, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you believe in me or not. That's my beauty. It's called nature's happiness. It's taking a walk outside and just seeing the goodness and looking up and seeing the stars. It's called nature's happiness. Then there's also social happiness. Vocational happiness. I'm in a good job. I'm in a great career. Things are working out for me. There's physical happiness. I work out every day. I go to the gym. I take care of my body. That's physical happiness. I have long life. There's intellectual happiness. And there's also humor happiness. All of these, he quotes, is in God's common grace and are available to every individual. But here is where the church comes in now. And here is where the difference is now. That there's a happiness, the seventh one, is called spiritual happiness. Uh huh. It's called spiritual happiness. It's living in the perpetual season of joy. And he says the unbeliever cannot attain to this. Why? Because it's spiritual So here it is now that someone, an unbeliever, can say, I have happiness in the six different realms, and you can have the happiness in those realms as well. But there's another realm that you have to step into. Huh? That when circumstances and situations that lead to depression, that brings upon sickness and all those things, you can still remain in joy. Because you now step into a realm up in heaven that the unbeliever is not able to unless they repent and ask God to forgive them of their sins. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Right? And so that's the thing that we want to look into now. Because here's why. Here's why. 
He says this now in his book, Randy Alcorn. He says, while Christians should not deny or ignore suffering, and I put here the struggle or sin, we should be so energized by contagious joy and radiate such inner happiness, peace, and contentment that others are attracted to what we have in Christ. So in other words, you and an unbeliever, and they have the six different types of happiness, but there's the seventh. And because we are believers in Christ, they need to say, hold on a second. Why and how come you have a joy that, 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 is, uh, that I don't have? And then you tell them, well, I'm able to access heaven and nations. That the windows of heaven are open. So though you get rain, I get more than that. I get a word. <laughs> and so you get rain and you get a harvest and you rejoice over that, but it's limited. But I get a word from God that left heaven. Oh my God. And that word from heaven is able to sustain me in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the doctor's report. I can leave and say, oh God, you're still good. You're still good. And I know you're looking at me weird because you're only operating in the sixth dimension, dimension of man. Ooh, but I enter into the seventh dimension. Come on, somebody. You've got to know you enter the seventh dimension. Sunday is not just a time like every other time. It is a time for us to enter into a dimension where the heavens open and all the nations of the earth can look and say, God, you're good. See, when we understand the spirit of joy, when we understand the season of joy, Sunday will not be the most segregated day in America. Come on, somebody. It's the seventh day. It's the day when we come together. It's the day when we come together. Man and woman, boy and girl, black and white, we all come together. Why? Because we have this contagious joy. We have this joy that's not predicated by your skin color. We have this joy that's not predicated by your bank account. We have this joy that's not conditioned upon how you're feeling. We have this joy that's conditioned because of Jesus Christ let the heaven and the nation sing so the first point is this it's the spirit of joy is how we have to live we have to live in the spirit of joy Acts 13 verse 52 is interesting real quick if you go then Acts chapter 13 verse 52 here it is now that the apostles who have been released by God into the commission that he has for them and here they are preaching the gospel And now they're being persecuted. Now they're being ridiculed. The religious folks don't like it. They thought they took Jesus out, but they couldn't stop the joy. Come on. They says, we're going to now burn you at the stake. Some of the things they did to the, the believers, you thought it would have taken them out. But this is the, the, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiply. Why? Because they had a joy inside of them that was so different than what they were seeing. See, religion is always going to try to silence you. It's always going to try to silence you. And that's why when he said, listen, he says, and he's writing, he goes, many people out in the world don't see us as attractive. Don't see that we're contagious with our joy. What they see is judgmental. They see mean. They see all this stuff. And all they seen is religion. Don't you classify me as a religious institution. Uh-uh, baby. Come on. No, 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 no. No, no. I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ and this joy that he's put inside of me, the joy. So where there's joy, I'm going to speak boldly. Come on. Because you need this joy. You need to understand that the heavens are open over your life. And I don't want you to miss the blessings of God. So that's why we have to speak the truth to people in love so they don't miss the blessing that God has for them. How many of you want to be blessed? Say, bless me, Lord. Come on. Say, bless me, Lord. Bless me with a joy that's from heaven. I don't want just natural thing. I want a joy that comes from heaven. 
It's the seventh day. Come on, somebody. Good God Almighty, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in this thing. And he's saying here, we are going to walk in the joy. So it begins in the spirit of joy. And it says in Acts 13, verse 52, it says that they were, they, they were bold. They were bold because they had joy and the Holy Spirit. They had joy and the Holy Spirit. They're being persecuted for their faith, but they had joy and the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to prepare. We are. Because, because uh, they're trying to silence the church. They are. They're trying to take our joy away. Right? Now it's no longer Merry Christmas. It's, it's Xmas. It, it, now it's holiday. Huh? And you can't truly have a holiday without having the joy of the Lord. It doesn't make any sense. You might just cancel the whole thing. Right? And so we're now going to be people who are going to say, no, not only do I have joy, but I have the joy from the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. So spiritual happiness is a spirit of joy. That's your first point right there. The spirit of joy. He says, he calls it joy because at times it contains more pleasure and delight than the other six put together. So the other six happiness, when it comes to the spiritual happiness or joy, it contains more pleasure and delight than the other six put together. And that is the thing that you cannot have until your sins are forgiven and you are reconciled to God and you are made right with Him. If that is you and you're in this building and you have, your sins are forgiven and you are reconciled to God, I'm here to tell you that you have been made right with God. The spirit of joy resides on the inside of you and you gotta tell your face what your heart knows. You've got to speak to your face. Come on, somebody. When you're facing persecution, when you're facing pressures for you to compromise, you've got to tell your face what your heart knows. That there's a power, oh my God, there's a power inside of me that's greater than any power on this planet. It's greater than any nuclear power, any nuclear weapon. Come on. This thing called joy is so powerful that you can step into a room. Come on, somebody. And you can raise the dead. You can cast out demons. You can lay hands on people. And they've got to be healed. When you understand this joy, there's a wonder inside of you. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. How many of you got the spirit of joy this morning? Come on. You got the spirit of joy. Uh huh. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And see, the spirit of joy in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to verse 25, he lists out the, the, the fruit of the spirit. And he begins, Adrian, he says, Love. And then right after love, he says, Joy. So even though joy is not first, joy is a close second. Huh? So if you do have love, and you walk in love, you're going to walk into joy. Come on. You can't walk in love and not bump into joy. It's right there, no matter where you go. Where can I run from joy? You can't, baby. Because when you walk in love, you've got to head into joy. And then you have peace. We got people trying to have peace, but they ain't got no love. And we got people trying to have peace, but they ain't got no joy. It's not going to work. Come on, somebody. It was strategically designed that way. The God said, if you have love and gather in place and we express our love, people say, they're, they're a bunch of joyful people and good-looking people, by the way. You know what I mean? At the gathering place. And so, so they say, hey, how was service? Man, they got love and they're good-looking, but I kept bumping into joy. 
I was greeting someone and I saw their face and I bumped into Joe and I, and, and I was over here and Ryan, I bumped into Joe and I got over to Della and I bumped into Joe. I just everywhere I turned at the gathering place, I just bump into joy. So if you don't want to get sick of joy, don't go there because they're contagious. Come on, somebody. You don't want a flu shot. You want a faith shot. Ah, come on, somebody. See, see, see. God is giving you a spirit of joy. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. My son is not saved, but God has given you a spirit of joy. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Uh-uh, this is the season. Look through the windows. Come on, somebody. God was faithful to you in January. He's going to save your son and daughter. God was faithful to you in February. God is going to save your son and daughter. God is good and full of joy. And full of joy. Heaven itself can hardly know more ecstatic joy than we have occasionally felt. We shall, and I quote, be vessels of greater capacity there. So we know in heaven, we know in heaven, Randy, that this joy cannot be contained. That the angels up in heaven, come on, are singing and rejoicing. And God said, as in heaven, let it be on earth. And so we know that here we don't have the capacity to contain it all. But God is saying, try. And I won't make you do it in your own flesh because you can't handle my glory in the flesh so I've given you the Holy Spirit come on I've given you joy I've given you myself so when I command it from you it's in you to give it come on my word can't return void so I can't command something and it doesn't come to pass so I put joy in you by the Holy Spirit so when I speak joy it has to come out and that's what he's saying. It's called the spirit of joy. Do you have it this morning? You need it tomorrow. You need it the next day. You need it every single day of your life. You got to wake up in joy. You got to sleep in joy. Come on, somebody. It's joy of the Lord is what we need. But here's, here's what we have to be careful of. What do you do when your joy is stolen? What do you do when your joy is stolen? 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's look at David. Let's look at David and see what happened when his joy was stolen. In 1 Samuel chapter 30. David was called by God, but had to wait on God. He was called to the throne, but he still had to use a towel. (laughs) And the same way he had joy when he was anointed by Samuel... He had to go back to the sheep and have the same joy. And sometimes our joy is stolen because the timing is not right for us. And it's not God's timing. And so so we try to get ahead of it and we operate in the flesh. But here was David anointed. It was evident that I'm supposed to be the next king. But Saul is on me. He's on me. He's He's trying to take me out. He's trying to steal my joy. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to 6, it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag. They attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. It's one thing 
that the enemy came in while I was absent and just burned down my home. I can rebuild my home. But the enemy didn't just stop there. It says, and had taken captive the woman and those who were there from the small to the great. So here is David now. He comes to Ziglag, his place. And all of a sudden, the witness, the evidence, what he sees is a city that's in ruins. A city that is burnt with fire. That in his absence, the enemy came and the enemy stole. And there was loss. And he comes to the city. And the woman and the children are taken Captive by the enemy. Man, it's like, it, it's like the time where, where, where there was a story that, that was told about a woman who was waiting for her husband to, to come and pick her up. And while, while she was waiting, another man came and raped her. And when he finally got there, here she was, was raped. And so all of a sudden, she has this violence. And he says, where were you? Where? Where were you while you were absent? I was, I was captive. I was taken. My joy is taken away. And, and, and the story behind that was here he was in counseling. And he was saying this, is that we have counselors for those who are the victim. But how do we counsel those who are the individual who is supposed to be the knight in shining armor? How do you counsel us who was late? Maybe because the light turned red as opposed to being green. And I was 30 seconds late, but I was coming. And here was David now. He was on his way. It was a three-day journey. But while he was on his way, someone raped invaded the woman and the children they capped and so here it is now that while they're handcuffing and they're walking them out they're thinking where were you my joy is stolen so we have the economy is being threatened because they're trying to steal joy And the enemy is attacking the family. Why? Because he wants to steal the joy. And David now, who was the king, who had the resources, was busy trying to find himself. And when he finally got to who he was, when he got to Ziglag, here it was now. Here it was. David said, I was operating on a declaration of dependence. I was dependent on my own strength. I was dependent upon Saul, Samuel, who anointed me. And here Saul is chasing me. And I'm running from Saul. And I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm joining with the enemy. Want to fight with them. Even the enemy didn't want Saul in chapter 29. David, excuse me, in chapter 29. He says, get away from me. David, a warrior, that they knew his ability. David killed his 10,000. They were saying, I remember you because people would say, Saul killed his thousand. But David, you killed your 10,000. And here was a warrior who was rejected. Rejected by the people because he's trying to find his joy. He knows about the spirit of joy because out in the desert, out in the wilderness, when he was taking care of his father's sheep, he would sing melodies and harmonies and all that to God. He saw the heavens and the nations were singing. David experienced that, laying his life down for the sheep and seeing the heavens declare the goodness of God. But here he is now. 
He gets back to Ziglag. He gets back to the place of where his value, back to the place of priority. And when he gets there, the place is burnt down and there's nobody left. Christmas, joy was stolen right under his face. And so what did David do? Before we get to that and look at point three, the search of joy, let me share something with you that you don't want to miss. It says in verse 3, verse 2, and taking captive the woman and those who were there from great and small. Watch this now. Watch this now. But this is it. This is it. Watch God. Watch God's grace. Watch God. They did not kill anyone. Oh, God. (laughs) The enemy captured but couldn't kill. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. Because God was setting it up. Come on, somebody. Because David was going to make, he was going to search for his joy. And so they captured, but they didn't kill anyone. When I read that, I'm like, look at God. God, you're so good that you could be captured. Come on. But he says, you can't take him out. It reminds me of Job. Come on, somebody. When the enemy says, the only reason why Job is serving you is because you're making him happy. You're giving him joy. But take away the happiness, take away the joy, and Job will curse you. Come on, somebody. But Job says, naked I came out of mother's womb, and naked I'll go back in. The Lord God Almighty is good to me. Come on, somebody. And so we have to understand that the enemy will try to take you out. He's trying to steal your joy, but he cannot. He cannot. He cannot. That's for someone here this morning. That's for someone here this morning. You feel captive and you think there's no rescuer coming, but, but God is saying to you, no, it's a spirit of joy. There's a song that used to go like this. I'm not going to sing it because it's going to be on Facebook Live, you know, probably get a million hits. Some will make, make fun of it, you know, I'll get the video and start adding the stuff to it. Um, but it's, it's a song, J-O. Why joy, joy in the Holy Ghost, J-O-Y joy, joy in the Lord. To let nobody steal your joy, to let nobody steal your joy, to let nobody steal your joy, joy in the Lord. And I believe as they were being captured, they were singing J-O-Y joy, joy in the Holy Ghost, J-O-Y joy, joy in... Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Joy in the world, in the Lord. Come on. J-O-Y joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. J-O-Y joy. Joy in the Lord. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Joy in the Lord. So here's David now. He comes, he says, okay, my declaration of dependence didn't work. Life, living in the pursuit of happiness didn't work. That was the sixth dimension. Whew. But David says, I'm stepping into a seventh dimension now. And David says, we have to search for joy. Because faith tells me they're still alive. Captive, but they're still alive. And I hear them singing, J-O-Y, come on. The heaven is open and I'm hearing them singing. And David says, before I do anything else now, get the priest and bring, and bring, I need to inquire of the Lord. 
I've got to shift from a declaration of dependence now. And as a nation, we must shift from this document called Declaration of Independence because we have atheists, we have scholars who are taking the word creator and they say, well, he didn't say God, didn't say Jesus Christ, so it's not necessarily the word Christian nation. Ah, shut up. Listen, when he says creator, he was talking about a creator from heaven and he was saying move from this Declaration of Independence which man and we respect them and we thank God for them and they were moved by the providence of God, but we have to step into another dimension because the nation of America was birthed by God. Come on, not by the founding fathers and when we understand that we can see that even though God wasn't mentioned in the book of Esther God was still involved God was moving God was doing things until you don't see God in this document but God was right there all the time Ooh, that was good I I should should run for office come on so so, so you see we've got to move from the declaration of dependence sorry independence to a declaration of dependence bring the word let me inquire of the Lord and then he asked the question God, shall I pursue? And will I recover all? God says, oh yeah, baby. Find some joy on the inside of you. David, go ahead. And God is telling you, I've given you the green light. You've inquired of God and God says, yes, use the spirit of joy that's inside of you and go and take every single thing the enemy has stolen from you and take it back. Go search for joy. In this prophetic message I was studying this morning again, and the Lord says this very message, Ron, the spirit of joy, the joy of being stolen, and the search for joy, you'll find it in the story of Matthew when I announced my first coming. On the 25th, I'm going to share with you how we're, what we're teaching now this Sunday. On the 25th, you're going to see how it comes to the climax of his first coming, and we know that he's coming again. So the same thing he did on the first coming. Come on, somebody. He's doing on the second coming. And it was the heavens. The angel says, oh, I'm going to announce something from heaven. That the nations, oh my God, can sing when Jesus Christ came into the earth. Why? Because he's saying, go ahead and pursue. Recover. 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 Quickly. And so, so the search for joy. And so he comes down and he gets it, he gets it to go. But watch this now. This is what's neat about it. Where do we find joy? Because ready? Because when I'm joyful, I'm happy. And when I'm happy, I'm joyful. Right? So, so, so what could be plainer? Why should I want anything to do with joy that isn't coupled with happiness? Or with a happiness that is without joy? Happiness without joy is shallow and transcendent because it's based on outward circumstances rather than the attitude of the heart. As for joy without happiness, it is spiritualized lie. The Bible does not separate joy and happiness and neither should we. So in other words, when I'm searching for joy, I've got to be able to say, hold on a second here. What's causing me then to say I'm joyful but I'm not happy, or I'm happy and not joyful? He's saying search for joy. David, go ahead and pursue. So joy is located now, ready for this, in your heart. It's in your heart. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16 says this, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. So joy is found in the word, and you have to eat the word. The Bible says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so when we understand that eating the word of God is giving us joy for our assignment, then we're going to say, give me, I want to eat from the word of God. He says, your word, where? My heart. From what? Call by your name. Psalms 4 verse 7 says, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grains and wine abound. Psalms 119 verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are joy, for they are the joy of my heart. For the joy of 
my heart. So when you're searching for joy, where is it located? It's located in the heart. It's located there. Now, now, now go to Nehemiah chapter number 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. And we're going we're gonna to launch with this. We have heard this statement over and over again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That didn't come from David. Mm-mm, it didn't come from the Psalms. It came from Nehemiah. It came from Nehemiah when they had rebuilt the wall. Nehemiah, when he heard the report again, is how was Jerusalem? And he said, the city is burnt down. Right back again to David. The enemy loves to burn things down. Take down your defense system. And so here it is now that Nehemiah is in a place of prominence. And so he's in a place where he's happy. He's in a place of prominence. He's working for the king. But yet he hears the report of his native country, the nation of Israel. And so the report then changes countenance. And so when he's before the king, the king says, what's going on? I see that you have the sixth dimension of happiness, but today you're not happy. Come on. He says, I know, king, you've seen me operate in the sixth dimension of happiness. And thank God for his grace. But I heard that joy is stolen from my people. And he says, I've got to go because the gates and the walls are burnt down. They're burnt down. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that they built the walls in 52 days. In 52 days. Check me on that. I, I believe that that's how long it took them to build the wall. But they were persecuted and everything like that. And when I looked at that, the 52 days, I'm like, they have 52 calendar days that we are coming on Sunday. I said, hold on a second, you God. 52 days? He's like, yeah. If you look at the 12 calendar days, and you look through the windows, and you see what's burnt down. Come on. And you see where the joy has been stolen. I'm sending you out there now with a word. I'm sending with a word to say, let heaven and the nations sing. And he says to Nehemiah, I want you to go. And here they are now. They built the wall. They built the wall. They built the wall. They're now protected, right? And there's a difference between having boundaries and having a barrier. A safe place is where you build boundaries. A barrier is where you're still trying to guard your heart and be independent and making your own declaration of dependence. Come on. So declaration of independence. You need to understand that when you build a wall, it is for boundary because that's healthy and that is the way God wants you to live. If you have no joy, it's because you have no boundaries. That's why to create a safe place here, we have to have boundaries. Not barriers to you being ministered to, but boundaries so God can minister to you. Does that make sense? Right? Because some people walk in with their own declaration of independence. I'm going to do my own thing. Not in this house. We promise a safe place to people. Right? And so a declaration of dependence means we depend on God. And so here, here is Nehemiah now. And he says, he asked the king, can you please give me resources to go back? Because I'm searching for joy. And Nehemiah walks around the city. And he doesn't tell anybody because he's trying to find joy somewhere. He finds joy. There's no joy anywhere. And now they get to a place where, 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 where the, walls, the walls are built. The walls are built, and he goes, and he says this now, and look what he does. He says, Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood. See, the things we do in church, you think they're not biblical, why we have a service like this. But in this case, the nation had no joy. The walls were built, but there was no joy. He says, Ezra, get the word of God. Because it's got to get back into the heart of the people, because they lived with the city burnt out for so long that they have no joy left in them. 
And so now he gets upon here on this platform, right? He, he gets it. Now watch this now, because in verse 8, we see it. We see it here. And it says, so Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for that purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood, and he lists some people. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's why he says, can you stand for the reading of God's word? Because when you open God's word, they were so in reverence of God that they stood up. Because their condition and the joy was sucked out of them, they were sitting down for so long. You might be standing physically, but I know some of you are sitting down. Because the joy, the wind had been knocked out of you. Things have burnt up. Things you've tried, they've burnt up, and you think they can never come back again. And here you are now. But he says, when the word of God opens up, you got to stand up. Someone say, stand up. And he gets the people, and watch this now. And, and, Ezra, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. See, Pentecost right here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you say, Amen, Amen, it's okay to lift your hands. It's in the Bible. It's okay to say, Amen, it's in the Bible. And if you want to say, Amen again, it's in the Bible. When joy enters your life, you have to stand up. You've got to lift your hands. You've got to say, Amen. When the Word of God is opened up and you see joy in front of you, oh my goodness, you can't contain this joy. And here and now, the people didn't have the word for so long. Here's the key thing right here. The people that were there, the people helped them to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from book, from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So in other words, when I'm telling you to come grow with us and when you sign up on the ministry list, what you're saying is this. I'm going to help the people to understand the law of the Lord so joy can come back into the house. That's when you're doing ministry, Austin. When you say I'm doing ministry, it's because you're saying I need the joy back in my life. And so Ezra is saying here, Nehemiah said, it's not just by yourself. It's not just Megan and I. It's a team of people. When Ezra stood there, opened up the word, there were people on his right, people on his left, and they were standing in unity. And here they were now declaring to the people the word of the Lord. They were to help the people understand the word of God. We live in a generation, it's the most biblically illiterate generation ever. They don't know, they don't have a biblical worldview. And that's why the world and the culture is transforming our generation. The culture is doing that. The things they're watching on TV, the subtle messes and images are taking place. Oh gosh. Give me two minutes. Watch this now. Watch this. There's a commercial from Amazon. And I was watching when I was watching the football game. And it was the Dallas Cowboys was destroying whoever they were playing. Right? Doesn't even matter who they were playing. Just destroying them, annihilating them. And this commercial came on. And it was, I believe, and, and, and Imad. And I want to say it was either a priest or, or a minister or some religious figure. And, and they were just having a conversation. I don't know what house they were in. And so all of a sudden now, they, they both left. Well, one left whosever house they were at. And as they were walking, they're like, hmm. And so they got on their cell phone and they ordered something for the other person. And, and here it was, they ordered from Amazon Prime that gets it there, you know, within an hour. And they ordered it. And the person in the house had the same thought. And they went ahead and, and ordered their thing. And it comes to their house. And they both open up and it was a pair of knee pads. It was a brace. It was a brace because they were, they were old, you see. You see, you see, they were old and they were in pain. But their religion was important to them. And so they needed some support. And so they both got and they both smiled. And at the end, they both went and did what their religion taught them to do. And what Amazon was teaching, all religions are the same. So when you come out now 
and you operate in the seventh dimension of happiness, they're like, what's your problem? Get back into the sixth dimension. Dimension of man. And because we don't understand the biblical worldview, we come right back into that dimension again and says, well, I guess God really wasn't true what he was saying over there. I guess we don't really have to believe that then. And we wonder why there's no joy. We wonder why there's no peace. And you wonder why the world's only seen religion. Religion is what killed Jesus. We cannot show the world religion. Because they're saying religion are all the same. Hence the Declaration of Independence says the Creator has given us inalienable rights. And they can say whoever the Creator wants to be. They can say it could be a tree for who cares. It could be a plant. It could be whatever you want to be. It just says Creator. And the moment you take the Creator out, you have no joy. If we want this nation to sing, we have to have the heavens open over us. And the only way that's going to happen is that it's a season of joy. And as we enter into this last month before the year is over, I'm telling you right now, if there's ever a time when you're prophetic move of God, that the heaven is open over this nation, we need it now. And we need people who understand when the word of God is open, I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up, right? Because here's what we need to do now. Here's what we have to do. And so he goes on, and this is now where he says, then he says to them in verse 10 of of Nehemiah chapter 8, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In that context, you don't just say it because it makes sense. It was in a context where the people thought there was no more hope. There was no more joy. And Nehemiah says, open up the word of God. America, get back to the word of God again. Get a biblical worldview on marriage. Get a biblical worldview on health. Get a biblical worldview on everything that we look through. It's got to be through a biblical worldview. Because if we want the rain to come down from heaven... And produce fruitful seasons. We have to get back to the God of the Bible. Feeling God in this place. So we end with this. We end with this. Point four. The shout for joy. The shout for joy. Psalm 66. Are you ready for this? If you know that you have access to heaven. If you know your sins are forgiven. If you know that you are reconciled back to God. There needs to be a shout that comes out of your mouth. That the heaven says, oh my goodness, I'm seeing on earth what I see in heaven. Come on, somebody. And I don't know about you, but I've made a promise. I have made a commitment that I'm going to live under an open heaven. That me and my house, we're going to live under an open heaven. And that we're going to shout for joy. Because I know it's inside of me. And if the unbeliever can live in six dimension, I who is a believer, who I as a believer... I'm stepping into that seven dimension. Come on. So weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. Come on, open up your mouth, gathering place. You've been sitting for a long time. 
Open up your mouth and shout joy. Open up your mouth and shout joy. Wake up your neighbor and say joy. Slap somebody. No, I'm only joking. But come on. Say joy. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. 